Rochester Church of Christ is called to live God's gospel, truth, and love with the world so that we all may find life together in God. Our hope is that this message will share that gospel, truth, and love in a way that will bless you, enrich you, and better equip you as a disciple. Good morning, church, and happy Father's Day. want to recognize the fathers out there. Also, I want to um, I want to wish a happy Juneteenth to our black brothers and sisters. For those who are unaware, Juneteenth is the day set aside for our nation to commemorate the ending of slavery in our nation. It's also sometimes called Freedom Day. I'm thankful for your celebration today. We're blessed today to be worshiping together as one in Christ a true example of God's family. Though it was not always like this, I praise God that by the Father's hand and the commitment of freedom fighters, the evils of slavery were defeated, and that by His Spirit, God continues to lead us towards reconciliation, true healing, equality, and equity. You are a blessed people. Our theme for this year Uh, so far has been answering the call that Jesus gave to his disciples and that Jesus continues to give to his disciples saying, follow me. And and we started the story in the gospel of Mark, okay, where, where we found out that Jesus has called us to join him in what we called the crosswalk. All right. And then we looked at how the spirit led the early church in the book of Acts to turn the world upside down. Now, through it all, we've consistently found that this crosswalk means that we carry a cross and we die daily. And that turning the world upside down means that the world around us will react negatively to us and may even try to oppose us and harm us. It turns out that following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. In fact, it's downright hard sometimes. Things let you down. People let you down. And if I'm honest, sometimes God lets me down. How do we keep our minds right when we follow Him? Today we're going to begin a six-week series studying Psalm 23. That's going to be guided by the thoughts of Pastor Louis Giglio in his book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Those nine words, don't give your enemy a seat at your table, are a powerful reminder to hold on to the promises of the Good Shepherd as we follow him to help us win the battle of our mind. And I have a foundational premise for today's lesson. Life is hard. Yet Jesus invites us to follow him anyway. That's the premise. Life is hard, yet Jesus invites us to follow him anyway. We have a tradition that we stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We want to recognize the authority of God. And so I'm going to ask you to join me if you'll stand while we read. And we're going to read the same passage of scripture for the next six weeks. And my hope is that by the time we get to week six, none of us will need to read it. Some of you may already know the 23rd Psalm. 
I'll even allow you to speak it in whatever version you learned it in. We're going to read it from the New International Version, 2011 update. But the Word of God says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. The Lord is my shepherd. This passage depicts God as a personal and attentive shepherd, one who intimately cares for his sheep and yet is tough enough to defend them against attacks. The shepherd will make sure that you are rested and well fed, and he'll also beat back all those who threaten your safety and your well being. Now, in John chapter 10, Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd. And he outlined how he could be called the good shepherd. He knows his sheep. He protects us from thieves and robbers. He laid down his life for us. He guides us and we're able to listen for his voice and know his voice. John 10 personifies Jesus as the good shepherd of Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, the attributes and actions of the shepherd God are true of the shepherd Jesus. So Jesus is saying, I want to be your good shepherd. He is personal. He is a personal and involved God who wants to shepherd your life. Now think about that for a moment. That the good shepherd, who also happens to be God is offering to lead you through every moment of your life. The key for us is that we'll allow him to shepherd us. You see, all of us are shepherded whether or not we realize it. Your your shepherd might not be Jesus, but something is going to lead you. 2 Peter 2.19 says people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Okay? That, that, that something is going to lead you. Whether or not you realize what it is. And some of you may say, no, 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 Adam. I'm my own master. I, I, I'm my own boss. Nothing's leading me around. I'm doing whatever I want. Okay, you're shepherding yourself. And, and, and you may try to be your own shepherd. You're going to lead yourself. You're depending on yourself to guide you to still water and green pastures. But one thing is for sure. If you're your own shepherd, I guarantee you, you cannot say, I am not at want. Maybe, maybe the way you would say this sounds like this. I am my own shepherd and I'm a mess. I don't have everything I need, that's for sure. I wouldn't know still water if it were staring at me. I haven't taken a rest in green pasture for quite a while now. I don't walk along paths of righteousness, but I do know what fear and evil are. 
I seek comfort wherever I can get it. I can't stand my enemies and I want to hurt them. My cup definitely overflows, but I'm full of angst. I'm consumed by anger and sorrow and rage. I'm so easily, I'm so full that I easily spill over. I'm packed so tight it doesn't take much for me to explode. I don't know what's going to follow me all the days of my life, but I can tell you one thing. My soul is not so great. When you allow Jesus to be your shepherd, he steps into this stressed out culture and becomes your replenishing guide. He leads you. He watches over you. He gives you rest. Jesus gives you purpose. He shows you how to deal with enemies so that they don't tear you apart inside. He gives you hope. He gives you a future. He'll restore your soul. He'll give you goodness and love for today and tomorrow and for every day for the rest of your life. And he'll, he'll even give you an eternity with him in paradise. But first he's going to ask you to do something. And I know some of you, just I just lost you. And you were like, nope, okay, he's asking me, he's already getting a little bossy. I just met him and you just convinced me he loves me, but now he's telling me to do stuff. This is exactly the problem that I have. Well, hold on. This mandate that he's about to give, this command he's about to give is foundational to how much he cares for you. He loves you enough to make you do something that you're not inclined to know how to do, let alone choose to do on your own. But you're going to like it. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He's going to make you do that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Jesus says, <clears throat> get some rest. Stop trying to manage and manipulate every outcome. Take a break in the midst of the craziness of your day and acknowledge that I'm a good shepherd and I have your best interests at heart. By the way, while you rest in that grass, go ahead, have some to eat. Okay, pause. We're going to time out. Don't forget at this moment that you're a sheep and he's the shepherd. Otherwise, that just got real weird. <laughs> so I need you to stick with me and realize you're sheep. Yeah, you see that green grass that I've got you laying down in? Enjoy some of that. Let that nourish you. Let that feed and nourish your soul. You see, I love you. I take care of you. Any command I give you will be for your own benefits. You see, when God refers to us as sheep, it's a reflection of how we're wired. Now, it is admittedly not a huge compliment. <clears throat> sheep are not the smartest animals on earth. What he's saying, though, when he compares us to sheep is not that we're dumb. It's not that we're cuddly and soft. What he's saying is that we need a leader. We need to be led. Sheep need a shepherd. It's too easy for us sheep to get the wool pulled over our eyes. You see what I did there? Yes. We don't see with as much discernment as we should. You see, this is why the water is still. He leads us beside still waters. You see, sheep just kind of don't think things through really well. And so they, what they think will be good for them is not always great. You know what a sheep will do next to a rushing river? They'll go get a drink. They're like, oh, there's water. I like water. 
And they head over wearing what is like their 16 wool sweaters. Water's just going and they stick their head in there like it's safe. And guess what happens? They get really wet and then all of a sudden, splash. And then there they are. They're, you're buying, I don't know, is buying a word? I see, okay, see, here's the word. I know the word is bleating. But see, that's a homonym for bleeding. And I didn't want to lose people and have them think like, Where, how'd we get injured? Um, I, so there you are calling out to Jesus like, hey, save me. I'm rushing. I'm in the swirling vortex of danger now. All I wanted was a drink. I didn't know it wasn't safe for me. And it's a good thing that shepherds have crooks. A long stick with a hook on it. And they can, they can pull the sheep back in to where they need to be. Whenever they start to wander off to wherever they think they ought to go. He'll redirect us towards what's right for us. Provided we let him lead. I don't know about you. Well, hold on. Maybe I do know a little bit about you. Since June 1st, I, it, as of June 1st, I've been preaching to you for 11 years. So I'm starting to figure a few things out. Um, <clears throat> oh, hey, thanks. Uh, uh, yeah, but I'm starting to figure it all out a little bit. Um, so I know a few things about you, but I'll just talk about me, right? Because it's easier for me to just confess. I know I need a shepherd. I need one. That my decisions are not always the right decisions. That my discernment is not always perfect. I know I need a shepherd. Leading us to still water is the shepherd's job because of his great love for us. Jesus will always act with our ultimate well-being in mind. Even through the darkest valley. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, or the way I learned it was even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Did you catch that? <clears throat> even though I walk through the darkest valley, or I walk through the, dark, the valley of the shadow of death, even though I will fear no evil. Even though I will. Even though I will. We need as disciples what I want us to be cultivating. What I think God calls us to cultivate is an even though I will kind of faith. Now there are biblical examples of even though I will kind of faith. One of the ones that comes to mind immediately is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the book of Daniel, these, these three men who, who stood for God when, when it was time to kneel before the king who had threatened them with death. He said, you'll be burned in the furnace if you don't bow down to me. They stood and said, we can't do it. We're not going to bow down to you. We're only going to serve the Lord our God. And by the way, if you throw us in the furnace, he's able to save us. Now, here's this next part that's so amazing. We're thrown in the blazing furnace. The God we serve is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us from your, from your majesty's hand. But look at verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not Serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. 
even though he may not do exactly what we're hoping he does, which is save our lives, I will not bow down and worship a false god. Even though I will. Okay, I think of Paul and Silas. We talked about them in Bible class last week in Acts chapter 16 where they're in prison. And and even though they're in prison, what are they doing? Their feet are in the stocks, their backs are still raw, and they are singing praise to God. They are worshiping God. Even though I will. Look at Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk is an interesting book. We don't talk a lot about it. And when I said look at Habakkuk 3, you can look at it. Because if I had said go find it, we might not finish. It's a tricky one. Uh, You don't hear a lot of sermons out of Habakkuk, but Habakkuk is a prayer. The whole thing is a prayer. But look at the way he says this. He says, even though the fig tree doesn't bud and there's no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, even though there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Even though nothing's working out, I will rejoice in God my Savior. Even though I will. When you encounter hard times, does your faith deflate? Or does it get bigger and inflate? Because God is not only God when the sun shines. Neither should our faith in that God wilt under pressure. Rather, it's supposed to flourish when the pressure is on. How might might you personalize Habakkuk's prayer? Even though I'm under intense financial pressure right now. Even though my spouse is happier with someone else right now. Even though we're in a global crisis right now. Even though you you fill in the blank. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be grateful. I I will be joyful in God my Savior. Developing this kind of even though I will faith changes the trajectory of your life. And the key to developing it is where you put your focus. You see, the good shepherd walks with us right through the valley of the shadow of death. God is there with us in real hardship. He's with us when our loved ones get sick. He's with us when we bury someone we care for. He's close when our heart is shattered. He's close when we lose some sort of good thing we had hoped for. Maybe you're experiencing the death of a relationship or the loss of a dream We can experience any number of losses in the valley of the shadow of death. Loss is a part of our story as humans. We all walk through grief, disappointment, and discouragement. And that's why it's so key that even though David walked through such great difficulty, he declared, I will fear no evil. We won't solve all of the problems around us. 
We don't avoid every difficulty that comes our way. Yet we don't need to fear any evil because the good shepherd is with us. I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with us. Whatever troubles you're walking through right now, the good news is not simply that God is going to help you through it. There's more to the story than that. God is going to help you, but the way he's going to help you is God is going to be with you. God is with us. He's with you in the sickness. He's with you at the graveside. He's with you when the job opportunity doesn't come through. He's with you when you receive hard news. He's with you in the chemo ward. He's with you in the storm and in the wind and in the trial and in the valley. God Almighty, your good shepherd, is right there in the midst of the difficulty with you. And that'll change your prayer life. Because when you realize that God is with you, you don't pray anymore. God, I'm in a storm. Where are you? Show up. Instead, you pray, God, I'm in a storm. Thank you for being in this storm with me. You've got my back. So how are we going to get through this together? Peace and victory and freedom do not come from sitting around wishing we didn't have any problems or pain. Psalm 23 promises that peace and victory and freedom come in the midst of problems, pain, and loss. Verse 5 is probably the most important verse for this particular series. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You prepare a table before me. Now, if I had written this verse, I got to be honest, I would have written it very differently. I like, I like the table. I'm Church of Christ. I'm a pretty big fan of tables. We like God's table. Having the Lord prepare us a table is great. We celebrate that every week. But I got to be honest, here's what I would do. Here's what I would have said. I would have said, you prepare me a table in your presence. That's how I would have put it. Because that's where I want to be, right? Help me escape all of, not y'all, I, I shouldn't have said like that. I'll point it another direction. Help me to escape all of those people that give me grief, that cause me stress, that make me anxious. God, let me just be with you and you alone. But that's not what the verse says. God prepares me a table in the presence of my enemies. God, have you met them? They're the worst. And he's like, I've met your real enemy. You think, you think you have enemies that are people you have another enemy. You see, we have an enemy, the devil. 
And our lives can be torn apart when we allow our enemy to influence the conversation inside our mind. You see, when my thoughts, whenever I'm, I'm having struggle with a person and my thoughts start to go sideways, whenever my thoughts start to get me frustrated, whenever my thoughts start to make me lose control, I have to remind myself of this. When my thoughts get dark, I have to remind myself that my heavenly father is not the one making me afraid or paranoid. My heavenly father, my good shepherd, isn't the one putting the thoughts of despair in my mind. The harmful thoughts are coming from someone else. My enemy. And the truth is that while many of our struggles involve people, the real battle is against our enemy with a capital E, against the principalities and powers of darkness, according to Ephesians 6.12. You see, God has prepared a table for me in the middle of this battle, that right there in the middle of the ugly separation... Right there in the middle of the screaming fights with your kids. Right there in the middle of your hopelessness and depression. Right in the middle of your broken heart. Directly in the center of your hardships and arguments. Of your, of your persecutions and your misunderstandings. Right in the middle of despair and death. Whatever you're battling, internally or externally, the table is right there in the middle of that trouble. At the epicenter of the conflict. You see, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says that what the devil does is he prowls around looking for ways to devour us. Because that's what the devil does. Here's the, here's the thing. Maybe I can't control the devil from prowling around in my life. Maybe I can't control that. But you know what I do have control over? Whether or not he gets to sit at my table. Through Christ, I have control of who gets to sit at my table. The devil wants nothing more than to crush you. He wants to steal from you everything you value. He wants to kill everything in your life that's good. And ultimately, he wants to destroy you. If, you, if, if, if he can claim the victory in your, in your mind, he will eventually claim the victory in your life. The message of Psalm 23 is that the good shepherd prepares a table for you. It is a table for two in God's presence. You and God and the devil doesn't have an invitation to sit down there. God doesn't promise to eliminate conflict. Nor does he remove all of the trouble, but he has promised you to be with you. To welcome you in his presence. To restore your soul with the best meal you've ever had. But here's the deal. The point's not the food. The point is the company. You see, I've, I've, I've sat at a wonderfully, wonderfully dressed table and had a 
wonderful steak dinner with company that ruined the whole experience. And I've had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with a friend that made it the best meal I've ever had. The point wasn't what the food was. The point was who was at the table. I want to invite Dan and your team to come up. I want to invite our prayer team to come up. Verse 6 makes a promise. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And, and, and we're going to talk in the upcoming weeks about the benefits that are awaiting us at the table. Benefits that are real and that are important. Okay, benefits such as a victory over sin. Benefits like a mind that is not muddled. Freedom from bondage. The ability to take control of our fears. Ultimately even an eternity in God's house. Yet it's vitally important to see from the start that the ultimate benefit for us is not something God gives us. It's God himself. And so the question that you have today facing you is, will you let him be your good shepherd? Will you join him at the table that's been prepared for you? Will you trust him? Maybe you need prayer. We want to pray with you. Maybe you're so aware of the things that God is doing in your life and the victories that he's winning that you say, I I need to pray with someone and just praise God. I need to let my brothers and sisters know that I'm in celebration mode. Excellent. We want to talk with you and pray with you. Maybe you're saying, I've not yet joined him at the table, but I want to accept his invitation. Then I want you to be baptized into Christ today. If you have any need, if you have any desire, don't wait. Respond now to Christ and accept his invitation. He is a good shepherd. Join him at the table he has prepared for you. Let's stand and let's worship together. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message has been a blessing to those listening. I pray that you would continue to work in our lives in ways that are evident and easily seen. Most of all, I pray thank you for loving us and choosing us. We don't deserve it, but you are so good and so faithful and so true. We thank you for your spirit and your son. May we grow in them to your glory, Father. In Christ's holy name, amen.